Deanna Lana's podcast. Wendy and Lana's podcast. Get literary, get literary. Woo! Hello and welcome to Getting Lit, Alana and Wendy's totally excellent romance novels and cocktails podcast. This is season four, episode nine of our romance novel focused podcast. My name is Alana and I'm one of your hosts today. And I'm Wendy, your other host. Today we are delving into suspense and 1920s flappers and mm-hmm. discussing The Other Side of Midnight by Simone St. James. How are you, Wendy? I'm great. I am enjoying this long weekend with a cocktail. Nice. What are you drinking? It's really just gin and then Jack found this this juice called raspberry limeade and it's amazing. It's like pre cocktail. Ooh, yeah, because lime is really good with like a lime gin. is so good. Lime is is really like a game changer in terms of fruits. I really like. I never really knew about the cherry limeade situation until moving here. And let me tell you, I'm a convert. I will buy cherry limeade slushes at Sonic all the time. I have never heard of a cherry limeade and. So I'm I'm this I am now years old when I found such a thing, but that sounds amazing. <laughs> you should try it if you have a Sonic nearby. I I don't know. Actually, I I might have a Sonic. I haven't had reason to look. Yeah, but I will I will Google this thing. Mm-hmm. It's we really probably good have for a really Sonic. hot day. Yeah, like a slushy type of of thing. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking? Huh. I am drinking um our podcast for today, which is. Basically a cosmopolitan, mm-hmm. but I added more things in it because one, cosmopolitans are not quite cranberry enough. And aside, you cannot drink cranberry as a woman without people thinking that you have a UTI. Right? <laughs> you That's cannot so order it. It's at <laughs> it's at the like I remember I was at a job interview once and I just really like cranberry juice and it was on the menu and I ordered it and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> they're gonna think i have like a uti right now like you cannot order cranberry juice as a woman without people wondering about your uterus yeah area. how's how's your, your urinary tract going how, how is, is that, that urinary tract how's it going how's your genitals are your genitals but, fine how's the yeah, uh, how's the yeah. like bacterial atmosphere in your general genitals right now just just be like, I would I'm just burning to get moved forward in this agenda, aren't you? <laughs> burning. <laughs> but I actually like cranberry juice. It is a tart juice. And I don't have enough of it. And I wish there's more. Anyway, so I made a cosmopolitan. So I added double the cranberry normally. It's got two ounces mm-hmm. of cranberry. I added some Geraldine syrup for extra redness. An ounce of triple I mean, sec. Grenadine? Grenadine. You always say Geraldine. I do say Geraldine every time. <laughs> I'm trying to make it work. It's not. <laughs> You're like, um, just lean into it. Everything's <laughs> Geraldine. Everything. Grenadine. I even wrote Geraldine down here. So there you go. <laughs> Grenadine. Um, two ounces of vodka and one ounce of fresh green lime juice. And basically, it makes like a red drink, and I put it in a cocktail glass. I mean, uh, like a martini glass. And then I went and I bought some dry ice, and I put them in there, 
And I call this drunk at a seance. Nice. Um, Because that's a no-no. Yes, because that is not allowed. So can't be drunk at a seance. Yeah. And so it's basically a cosmopolitan, but I, like I said, I added grenadine and (laughs) extra cranberry juice um, because I like cranberry juice. Yeah. I don't like like cranberry juice. Really? I think it's gross. Also, it's like a lie. You know, like cran, what are they called? Craisins? Craisins are a lie because cranberries are tart as fuck. And there's no reason why somebody would want to eat like just a cranberry. So they not only like take these like things, they just pump them full of sugar so that somebody would actually want to eat a craisin. Yeah, they are full of sugar. That's true. Lies. I also I found out that my new town that I live in, my old town, there were two places in town one could buy dry ice. And there is no place in Bloomington that one can buy dry ice. So I had to I had to go oh, to man. the What's Happened in Bloomington page, which is like kind of a trash can fire all the time, <laughs> and ask them and I had and I figured out that I could get some from uh, Bedford, which is about <laughs> thirty minutes away from the gas station, which is clearly the center of town. Like mm-hmm. it was the most hopping and best stocked gas station. Gas station with dry ice? Yeah, I have gas station dry ice. Yeah, I was really surprised by it. And I was talking to the lady. Apparently, they don't really get a whole lot of people for it. Hmm. Um, And actually, I have a lot, which is what happened last time I got dry ice is you get you buy it in like number of pounds and they don't like sell you like four pounds of dry ice and you need like a sliver. (laughs) So So then you got to figure out what to do. Yeah. So then you're like, you're like, you're just spookifying everything. (laughs) Well, it's good yeah. for uh, Halloween's coming up, so that yeah. should be helpful somewhat. Yeah, yeah. And on on Wendy's suggestion, I found a bunch of random stuff that seemed kind of flappery, and I put it in the picture with it. Yeah, as a garnish. Uh, as a garnish. Really garnish. So garnish in, in whatever flappery way that you would <laughs> like. There's some pearls. That's good. That's very flapperish. Yeah, I just chose like a random like poofy shirt I had in my closet. I'm like, I'll put it on that. <laughs> um, yep, artfully arranged. That's so um, artful. Last time, last time you used dried ice, you had a gif of it. Do you remember I that? I did. I made a gif. I might make a gif again. I have a video because obviously the enjoyment of dry ice is in, you know, the this video. Yeah. So maybe I'll try and do that. Yeah, because I used I did it last um, for the cow for a cowboy ghost book we read that I believe what was it? called Ghost Cowboy. No, uh, well I think your drink was called Ghost Cowboy. I think it, it was. was called Immortal Cowboy. Okay, which doesn't make any sense because he's not immortal; he's dead. Yes, and it ended with him becoming a dead person. cowboy. Even which, in dead. fact, he may be immortal at that time. We don't know. We don't know the rules of him becoming human corporeal from a ghost like they don't explain that whatsoever it's a harlequin no. romance they're it like was- <laughs> just keep going keep going just keep going yeah yeah so that was and so this is basically kind of kind of a similar thing 
I may, in a later thing, I'm going to buy, there's like a specific type of glitter dust you can buy that will make your drinks look shimmery. Ooh. And I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to get that next. Because I feel like there are a lot of situations in which making the drink shimmery would work in this podcast. <laughs> you know, mermaids, magical mm-hmm. beings. Mm-hmm. Shimmery stencils that say dump him. Yes. When did you try dump to do that? Him. That was that was early in podcasts. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I made a stencil. <laughs> and I was going to put it on top of the drink for like the artist one. The one about artists. Man. The one about artists. Wasn't it? I don't remember any book about artists. It was about like art that was being stolen. Man. I have to look back on that. I definitely remember because I kind of liked the book and then you were like, just dump that fool. Just dump him. (laughs) (laughs) He's not worth it. (laughs) And I was like, probably not. But I'm reading Probably not. So the book we read this time is called The Other Side of Midnight. And I'm going to read the back of it. London, 1925. Glamorous medium Gloria Sutter made her fortune helping the bereaved contact loved ones killed during the Great War. Now she's been murdered at one of her her own seances after leaving a final message requesting the help of a former friend and sole rival, Ellie Winter. Ellie doesn't just contact the dead, doesn't contact the dead, at least not anymore. She specializes in miraculously finding the lost items. Still, she can't refuse the final request of only the only other true psychic she has ever known. Now Ellie must delve into Gloria's secrets and plunge back into the world of hucksters, lowlifes, and fakes. Worse, she cannot shake the attentions of the handsome James Hawley a damaged war veteran who's dedicated himself to debunking psychics. As Ellie and James uncover the sinister mysteries of Gloria's life, Ellie is tormented by nightmarish visions that herald the grisly murders of those in Gloria's circle. And as Ellie's easy partnership with James turns dangerously intimate, an insidious evil force begins to undermine their quest for clues a source determined to bury the truth and whoever seeks to explore it. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So we chose this book because we were looking for a horror book. I would not say it is horror. No. Per se. It's not very scary. It's ghosty, but it's still it's not ghosty. scary ghosty. Yes. So, but it is kind of like suspense murder, I would say. So I just want to typify it correctly because I think that genre... Description is not quite fair. So what do you think of the book? I liked it. Um, I thought it was it was pretty well well written. You know, I was trying to remember the book that I thought that I had read by Simone St. James. Turns out, I just found it. The book that I actually read was by Jeannie St. James. And it was an erotic romance called Banged Up. And it was not good. <laughs> so this one was definitely an improvement. <laughs> Banged up so bad. Um anyway, but that this one was it was pretty good. It's well written. It's like interesting. The humans act like humans. It's not scary, is the only thing. But it's hard to be scary in a book, I feel like. I don't know when the last time I read a scary, scary book. 
It's more of like a cozy, cozy mystery. Cozy, cozy murder mystery. I think it's also hard for a romance novel to be scary because you know that everyone is going to be okay. Yeah. Because right? it's a romance. So in that way. Um, and there's definitely I, like a horror movies definitely have a cadence as well. So if you're going to go, there's a mystery cadence, a horror cadence, and a romance cadence. And if you're going to like put them all together, then it's going to be difficult. Yeah. This one's to- totally fell in line with like the all these people that might be suspects. Is that the suspect? No. Is this the suspect? Maybe. But this person might be the suspect. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. It's got a real procedural. We need to figure this out. And it really arcs like a procedural story, right? Mm-hmm. In that it literally, you know, has this sort of climax where sort of um, Ellie Winner's um, sort of uh, lures the killer to the scene of the crime. Yeah. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so a surprise. I think it, kind yes. of. I would say I was moderately surprised. Mm-hmm. I had thought that George was going to be evil. Oh, yeah. Like the older brother. The older brother who had enlisted Ellie. Now, why would Ellie contact someone to find the killer if you are the killer? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say that's like a great move. But, <laughs> but also a possible um, move. I was thinking about this, too, and I don't read a lot of mysteries, but it's funny to me whenever I encounter a mystery because the game is to guess who done it, right? And mm-hmm. you only get a very limited amount of people that could do it, you know? Like, it's not like, unless it's like some weird plot twist, it's not like Joe Schmo, who has never been introduced as the as a cast member, did it. And it's always funny to me when, like, in real life, anybody could have done it. Or, like, within the within the story of the characters, anybody could have done it. But when you're reading it as a reader, you know one of these fools that you have met is going to be the killer. And so you just spend a lot of time, like, hopping in between a couple of versions of, they did it, no, they did it, no, they did it, you know? Like, wouldn't it be nice if real if the real world was like that, like... You only had like a handful of of suspects and then you found out which one the suspect was and then you knew exactly why they killed them, you know? Like, that'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great if like someone is like murdered down at the mall and they're like, there's only four options. Mm-hmm. Especially because like so many things become cold cases, right? Yeah. Um. So like not, all, not everything becomes so uh, neatly, neatly put together or the wrong people are arrested as well mm-hmm. so yeah yeah I mean it is it did have like a like a cozy feeling of okay so this is our motley crew of characters right mm-hmm. there's like the bad ex-boyfriend there's you know the suspicious assistant yeah, there's she's the very fake suspicious. yeah I thought it was the suspicious assistant. I'm like she's up to no good you know there's the weird brother yeah, there was just, a, you know, and then, you know, there's even the sister who was trying to get, who was trying to get the main person, Gloria, to contact the dad, mm-hmm. sister-in-law. So, so yes, there's um, a couple of different, char- you know, potential people, right? Yeah. So, basically, Ellie is the main character, and she is a real psychic. And she met Gloria 
a while back who was also a real psychic. And this is in the 20s, so it's like in that time where like spiritualism was really big and it was also like a pseudoscience as well. And so there was a lot of fakes around as well. And Gloria had four brothers, I think, and three of them died in the war. And when Gloria dies, her oldest brother, George, basically blackmails, I guess, Ellie into looking for the the murderer. And we found it was one of the brothers. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it was the case of um, a not dead brother who was dead, but then, which I thought was, I was starting to think like the longer it went on, I'm like, one of these guys is not going to be dead. Um, (laughs) Which is weird. It's kind of step number one. And I, I, one thing I liked about this is this book is about friendship, about Ellie and Gloria's complicated, like, friendship and sort of the ways in which they kind of don't understand each other and don't understand the choices that they've made. Yeah. And I found that to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I will say that James was hot. He was hot. He was, he was like, hot in, like, a working man version dude i don't know he had like an accent and he was just like one of those guys that would like lean against a fence post and like flirt with you in his like little cockney accent and then but you know he's like a hard worker mm-hmm. like that's that's important he was hot I, yeah and he was like I, yeah. big like yes ain't nobody yeah. in britain is big <laughs> And I love the fact that he was, like, very well-dressed, typically. Mm-hmm. And they described him several times as being really hot when he took his jacket off. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. And he was smart, too. Like, he he wasn't, like, upper classes. But he was he was smart. Like, he des- deduced things. He was... And it was just, like... He wasn't just some, like, thug or whatever. And he had a, a real puppy dog like kind of eventual kind of place in the story where he's just like the times when he's just like so worried for Ellie. Right. Yeah. And he's like, I just, I, I can't, I like, I can't let this happen to you. I thought that was very cute and not at all. Like, I mean, the first time he kind of kisses her, like he kind of pushes her against a brick wall and you're like, mm, like pretty bit large size differential between these two different people. And, and like the idea that she's like, why did you wait so long? Um, it's like, come on, Ellie Winter, like, take some, take some, uh, some initiative. But later when he comes kind of a puppy dog, I was into it. I was going to be very annoyed if he had turned out to be evil, mm-hmm. which I thought was also a possibility because he really had no reason to still be in the story besides the fact that he was just this cute puppy dog. Yeah. He could have been evil, but I was like, now this is a romance. <laughs> and he was too cute. He was too cute. I also like that part where, like, apparently they had. So he's like an investigator for this place called. Help me out here. The New Order. No, that sounds too, like. It was made up. Anyway. Paranormal Society of some sort. Yeah, it's like an investigative paranormal society. And um, so they, they try to find all the fakes. And um, so he investigates. Um, people that say that they are psychics and uh, 
that's interesting. And so he knows like he knows like the common procedure of how to investigate something. And um, also he was like hanging around when he when uh, Gloria and Ellie were hanging out. And um, there's this time where Gloria, um, Gloria and Ellie get drunk and then <laughs> and then he like takes them home and he like puts them to bed because they're so drunk. And um, she's really attracted to him at that point, And he's like touching her legs, like taking her shoes off or whatever. And then she's like, why didn't you say anything? And then he was like, I'm not going to, like, make a move on a drunk girl. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, nice ankles. Do you want to make out? Like, <laughs> no. Like, I like I like that, where he was like, I'm not going to do it when you're drunk. Jeez. <laughs> but they have. Yeah, little- especially because, like, all that evening, she's, like, sort of into him. Right. Mm-hmm. And then and then he sort of like kind of backs off as she kind of becomes. Perfect, per- yeah, I thought it was cute. There's nothing there's a, there's something cute about like a guy that like takes a, a, some girls homes and like puts them to bed. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was a cute part for sure. I did wish that. So it has like one sex scene and it's like definitely a fade to black sex scene. Yeah, it is. And I was like, oh, come on, like, give me some more here. Because mo- and it mostly describes the kissing, which is I thought. Kind of strange for this sort of book, but I guess, I don't know. It seems like one thing about it is that I think I just saw that the author writes for TV, for Canadian TV, and maybe that's just how she's used to writing those (laughs) sorts of things. I mean, it was very TV worthy. It was like they started kissing the next day. The next day. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't really that bothered by it. Usually I, I... I want those sex scenes, you know, um, but I don't know. It seemed fitting because it didn't seem the book didn't seem entirely in line with a romance trope like the it felt so much more like a mur- cozy murder mystery than than um, a trope. I mean, than a romance yeah, I would say so. Like it, it has it plays like a like an episode of something, and I think that's further accentuated by the time period, which is a very the nineteen twenties is just so who done it to me, you know? It is really who done it. It just always feels who done it. Yeah, I wonder what the I other guess, books are like. Yeah, I mean, I I saw at the end that they were they were talking about the next one. And I, I mean, I, I felt this book was, was like, was like, was easy to read. Like I kind of bought the premise of psychics and that psychics exist. It reminded, it reminded me at times a little bit of Ilona Andrews, Mm -hmm. which are also mysteries and about investigators. And it had that feeling because of the powers, right? Um, Admittedly, not like as many like werewolves and stuff as Ilona Andrews, but it does have that sort of like kind of like like lady who like has a sexy sidekick um, solving murders. Yeah. Yeah, it is very much. I, I think, yeah, Alona Andrews does often read as a murder mystery type thing. Uh, procedural. Detective procedural. Yeah, or at least like private eye, I guess, is the term I'm kind of thinking of. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I am. Go ahead. I had a 
I had fun in this world. Like it was fun to think about flappers and like London and the roaring 20s or wherever they were. Roaring 10s, maybe. No, it was 20s, 1925, so we're good. <laughs> uh, and I think that was another lure of this of this book is just like thinking about like those kind of spaces and and you know different different types of hats, you know. <laughs> yeah, she wears like a cloy. She there's a lot of like there's like a part where someone's hat matches their blade. Their hat matches their tweed blazer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, hats. Oh, Wait, is this one of those ones where she has multiple in the same world, but she doesn't count them as, like, a series? Because I'm looking at Simone St. James, and there's no more of the series. Maybe. Maybe they're all kind of standalone. Maybe. Maybe they're just all... Because I think we were looking at two books, and maybe they were both by Simone St. James. Like, the other one might have been also, might have been Silence of the Dead. Hmm. And maybe she just writes these sort of, like, paranormal-type books. What else? I would say that, like, there were times in which, like, it seemed like her powers sort of, like, fluctuated in in power at times. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes she could touch someone and, like, know everything about them. And sometimes she could just know, like, what they did that day. Mm-hmm. You know, like it seemed like they sort of grew over time. Yeah. Um, and so that wasn't always clear to me. And yeah, I mean, I also liked the inspector character. Uh, what was his was name? Because I listened to this on audiobook and it sounded like an mm-hmm. inspector American. Like they were just <laughs> calling him American. Oh, that's funny. I'm trying to I'm, I'll, let me find it in the in the book. Um, I also like I, I really dislike in a mystery when it's a giant government conspiracy, which is sort of what this is. Yeah. And I like that. It was always disappointing to me because I'm like, well, I wouldn't have guessed that, like, you know, that it was MI6 or whatever. <laughs> like, like I, if that's an opportunity, I'm always going to say it's American. So M-E-R-R-I-K-E-N. It Which is kind does of look American. like American. Inspector American. Inspector American. I wonder if that's intentional. He was like, don't talk to me about ghosts. I hate ghosts. <laughs> yeah, he's saying that. And you're like, what's the story with the ghosts? Oh, man. Yeah, so, yeah, he was he was cute, but, and I don't know. It's it. I was just like, when it ended up that, like, they're like and like they they that had all been like concocted. A lot of it had been uh, an elaborate like government conspiracy, essentially, to try and get mm-hmm. psychics to work for the government. I was like, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> like I thought it was gonna be like so and so with the scissors, so and so with the scissors. <laughs> yeah, but then it's like just, like a candlestick just, in the yeah. library or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah yeah and then it's like what you gonna do like if it's about the government it's like well government's corrupt that's that's pretty much all we gotta do about it (laughs) 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 (laughs)
And there were occasional times when it was slightly scary, like when they're describing people and like their like mouths don't match their faces mm-hmm. or like their their like head train one way and the rest of their body goes the other. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of like uncanny. Yeah. Um, like it definitely ghosts were not fun to be around. No. And she just gives up being a, a, a psychic at the end. She's like, I'm never going to do it again. Yay. Can you like get away from that life though? She always talks about how there's like ghosts that come up to her and like stare at her. And then she's like, no, go away, go away, go away. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there's like only so much you can do. And it, she's really right. She doesn't have any other marketable skills. Uh, though in the end, she goes and she's going to take some courses and stuff. Oh, yeah. Take some courses. Which is cool. Yeah, and you kind of got the feeling like, oh, James is going to take care of her, which is fine. Hell, yeah. yeah. Except he doesn't have a job right now. Yeah, he didn't have a job either. But at least he, you know, it was a little bit of a wounded warrior story, so she's going to heal him. Oh, yeah. Her love. Yeah, there was a part where he was like in, like he was in the First World War and he... And he has this gun in his hand and she's like, that's not my James. That's a different James. Mm-hmm. It's like, just heal him with your vagina. Just do that. <laughs> just do that. Yeah, let's it's not fine. like, yeah, cause him to have like a psychotic break where there's two different Jameses. You know? <laughs> yeah, don't mention that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though I did, I mean, it is like a pretty grisly like scenario that he ends up with where like, Literally, like, he gives his canteen to, like, a guy that dies, like, a minute later or something. Yeah. Right? It's pretty some pretty grisly World War One scenarios. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and those were, I think, needed. I think kind of a, a, uh, a big th- part about this book is that, like, like, the idea is that a lot of people are trying to contact the you know needed closure uh, with their um young men who had died in in the great war right mm-hmm. so that creates this sort of market of which i wouldn't even say it's a pseudoscience because keep in mind that the 1920s are when we still we still believe that there were racial reasons for black people to be inequitable so we believed <sighs> a lot of fucking crazy shit yes then so i mean i would say it's it's pretty much a you know, in unverified science at this point and, and kind of really when people start really thinking about it. But I agree that there's there's a clearer sort of way that people fake this. But you kind of can imagine this as being like an alternative to like, this is like what, like pre-Freud? Kind of maybe at the no, same Freud time. was 1800s. Oh, yeah. Freud was 1800s. I mean, a lot of people, some people say that like the the original PTSD, the first type of PTSD is shell shock. Yeah. From the Great War. So you kind of have that sort of psychological thing mm-hmm. that maybe people were also looking for from these seances. Yeah. And there's a very like it's a very particular age that reminds you of like Houdini and Henry James and like just like those people that kind of believed in the spiritual, like we were accepting science at this time, but also trying to figure out where spiritual fit in and, and 
like the paranormal sort of really came out at that point. Yeah, there's like a thing in the end which talks about the real version of the thing that's in here. The it's called the New Society for the Further Furtherance of Psychic Re- Psychology Psychical Research is the name of the book, but it was actually based <laughs> on the British Society for Psycho Psychical Research, um, which included <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle. You know, oh yeah, Arthur Conan Doyle was so into psychic stuff. He was so into the paranormal. He actually was like friends with Houdini. I learned this on Drunk History. All right, everybody. everybody <laughs> yeah, just sit like down. just just so you just so everyone's not like we've just reached like the cocktail part where suddenly like <laughs> like Wendy for no reason whatsoever gives a lecture about <laughs> Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, anyway, but continue. <laughs> so like this is real citation. Drunk History on YouTube. Look it up. <laughs> Arthur Conan Do- Doyle and Houdini were like BFFs. And Arthur Conan Doyle went to all these seances and he would drag Houdini to them. And then Houdini and his wife like became like undercover, like like they would expose the the fake psychics, you know? Like they would pretend to be somebody else and then they... <laughs> They would expose the the fake psychics. And apparently there was like Houdini before he died was like host a seance every year. And if you don't hear like and if you know, like, no, no, no. host a seance every year on the day of my death. And I will say this one particular thing. And if the the psychics don't say that, then it's not it's not me. You know, and so they would host seances every year, and they just never had that situation. And then eventually, Houdini's wife stopped. So, <laughs> fucking fake, 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 fake. Do you believe in <laughs> psychics? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I do. I I don't know. It depends on what part of it. Like, do I don't know? Does something about uh? us like linger after we've died maybe but the idea of of ghosts i think is is hard for me to fathom but then again there's always like a moment when like a a, like a room becomes very cold Mm -hmm. and you're like and it's like dark and there's like a corner and you're like is that a ghost is that a ghost that was a ghost (laughs) that was a ghost right there oh it's a ghost now it's just cold I don't believe in any of that shit. I love <laughs> horror, but I don't believe in any of that because it's so fucking convenient that every single time there's a horror movie of the type that I like about ghosts like being haunting, ghosts like haunting a house or whatever, it's so fucking convenient that it is like a way for living humans to find closure. Like, mm-hmm. like, it just seems way too convenient, you know? Like, why would a ghost linger on only for the convenience of somebody else who is living to find closure? There's a lot of times in life where you just don't get closure. You just, you just can't do it. Like, there's a broken relationship or there's, like, you know, something happens where you're, like, taken advantage of and you just don't get closure. That's life. So you specifically don't like the idea that people can call ghosts, right, and have, like, conversations. Like, the targetedness is something that bothers you. 
Yeah, and just, like, why would they exist if not, like, the reasons we give in all this media of why ghosts hang on just seems, like, so convenient for the living themselves. Not necessarily convenient for the dead person because the dead person's dead. You know? (laughs) Why would they hang on? They're dead. (laughs) No, not a believer. I don't know. Someone I remember like I must have been like in middle school and this is early days of the internet. I used to watch this webcam, like the most haunted place in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I would just like stare at it, like, is it here? Is it there? Is this, you know? <laughs> I think it's the scariness of it is intriguing to me. Though I do agree. Like why would like why would they want to give a message like you're not that important, right? I can understand that for sure. Mm-hmm. There's like um, so many deaths out there that are not fair you know like it's just not fair like a baby dies just being a baby that's not fair like why would it be certain humans that have this death that just need to stay on because it wasn't fair yeah that's true (laughs) or whatever (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean, no, I'm with you. I, I, I see that rationally, but I still like when something moves. I'm like, Some people swear by ghosts. Some people, like I've talked to some people and they're like, I have I have had experiences with ghosts. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still don't believe you. That's fine. It's fine. I could be wrong. No, I think you're right. Um, I think it's like the rational side of my brain. They can't give give up the possibility. Mm-hmm. And I just love ghost tours. I love ghost stories. I love ghost stories because they're about closure. They're about closure for the person that died, for the people that are still living. You know, that's just a really nice feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. Even when it ends badly, it's like closure for a bad ghost, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the ghost kills everyone. <laughs> ha ha, yay, I did it. I'm a bad ghost. <laughs> you know yeah fun times anything else about about the other side of midnight i don't know it's it's hard to critique because it was a fun book it was well written there wasn't any like punctuation there wasn't any typos issues. yeah we have really low low bar and i mean i felt like just about everybody wasn't necessarily annoying right <laughs> Wasn't necessarily annoying. Just about everybody wasn't necessarily annoying. A plus. That's that's what A plus means. That's what A plus means. <laughs> I mean, Ellie, I think, was further complicated by her, her relationship with Gloria, which I think gave her depth as a character. Mm-hmm. And she was um, still grieving her mom, too, which was a mm-hmm. big, big part. And her mom was like a very complicated person mm-hmm. as well. In her, like, complicated need at the end of, of her career to prove them both as fakes. Yeah. Um, that was strange. I was, like, an interesting, complicated relationship with one's superpower. And the concept also that psychics fade over time. Yeah. But I was not entirely sold that she actually faded. I think that paranormal guy was messing with her. Hmm. Like, he had another watch. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was like a situation of like she didn't have the power anymore because her daughter now had the power and only one gets the power, I guess. 
in the family. Yeah. No, I meant like like uh, the paranormal president where she finds his lost thing oh, and then yeah. he had it already. And I was like, oh, oh is he like a super villain? <laughs> like, is he messing with her powers? Yeah. I'm like, that would be cool. But then it wasn't. It is funny in Cozy Mysteries where like you have no skin in the game of like guessing which which person is the person who did it, you know? So you can always change your opinion about whoever did it. And there was one point where I was like, it's the investigator. (laughs) The president of the paranormal society killed that woman. (laughs) I'm like, it doesn't matter because I could change my mind in the next scene. You just need to call it. You need to call all the things that you see, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Nobody's paying attention to what I think in my brain. Which is, they did it. No, they did it. No, they did it. No, he did it. (laughs) Yeah. So ridiculous. It was cute. Um, Are you going to read more of the book of Simone um, St. James? I wasn't, like, invested in the characters. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, so probably not. But I also, like I said, she just seemed very capable. Right. Like it seemed like a fun beach read. So like I just I mean, like I felt like like they would be solid books. Like Mm -hmm. I felt like, okay, this author knows what she's doing. Here's my next question. We spoiled the ending, didn't we? Yeah. And we forgot to do a spoiler, but people should know if they (laughs) listen to this podcast. The question that I have for you is, does that ruin a murder mystery? If you know, if we tell you. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't ruin a murder. It doesn't ruin a romance. It definitely does not ruin a romance. It (laughs) ruins it a little bit because then you can see it coming. Yeah. Um, but you only have a limited option anyway. Like, there's only like four people that are introduced in the first place. Probably eight at most. Half of them are her brothers. Yeah, I think. I mean it. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, if someone told me how a murder mystery ended, I would probably be less inclined to read it because the figuring it out before the characters is part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah. like, you don't need to figure it out in a romance novel because they end up together. Yeah, they're that's the thing you know. Together. It's the process that's exciting, but in the book, the process is really just kind of a means to an end. Yeah. So, readers, yeah. if you want to read this. You can read it, but you can also read any of the other books that Simone St. James wrote because they all seem yeah. about the same. Yeah, so some, I would. I mean, in the 1910s, yeah. 20s. Yeah, yeah, like Flappers, Silence for the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm probably not going to read it anymore. No? Yeah, it's too firmly in the genre of murder mystery. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt very murder. It was romance. Yeah. yeah, I did like it. I don't think we've read any any 1920 stuff no before and it very much was set in that period and i like that so. yeah it was fun it was a fun period to be in mm-hmm. that's part of that's part of the the lure of of books right is like this this sort of like tourism you know it's like mental tourism where you just like mm-hmm. go to a different place or a different culture that's a fun yeah part. and you get a feeling yeah for like walking around 1920s london right yeah. Um, you get a real feeling for it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, yeah, I agree. I, I thought that was really and historical romances these days. Like, kind of don't really give you that feeling anymore. Like, they're just so like baked into their tropes that it's like, oh well, <laughs> this this book is more historical than historical romances that are set in the tropish age of Georgian times. Oh yeah, well, Regency is just a, a theme park in, yeah. in romance novels. It is you a know, theme park. It's not really about the air. I mean, we don't even really care, right? No. If you get the right, like, I don't even know enough Georgian history to tell you whether you're doing it wrong. I don't yeah. actually care about that. But I do care that, you know, you have a wounded warrior and mm-hmm. that, you know, that you don't ruin any women um, and that you properly court people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know. I know the rules, but I don't. I agree. It's very tropey. And I'm sure that people who study, you know... Georgian or Edwardian England are really annoyed by people <laughs> by this whole genre in terms of options. Speaking of which, we are returning to Regency. Yay! Theme park um, land. Theme park land. Which it truly um, is the theme park land because we're going into feminist uh, Regency, <laughs> which is but, yeah, such a fake thing. It's so fantastical as in fantasy (laughs) like it's just not even so and we are reading the sequel to a book we both liked which is my fake rake Mm -hmm. before this so and we're going to read this the the in the same um union of the rake series the next book which is called would i lie to the duke Mm -hmm. by eva lee and i'll read a little bit about it So when an ambitious entrepreneur pretends to be a lady of means, she catches the eye and the heart of a duke. Jessica McGale's family business desperately needs investors, and she's determined to succeed at any cost. But she knows London's elite will never look twice at a humble farm girl like herself. Posing as Lady Whitfield, however, places her in an orbit of wealthy, powerful people, most notably the Duke of Rotherby. His... I I know. We remember the Duke. The Duke is really funny. His influence and support could save her money, but Jess never expected the effect he'd have on her. Society thinks Noel is a notorious, carefree Duke who dabbles in investments, but there's a side of him that only his closest friends see. Whenever he, when he crosses paths with Lady Whitfield at a business bazaar, his world tilts at its axis. She's brilliant and compelling and brings him to his knees like no woman has before. Trust is difficult for him, but Jess makes him believe anything is possible. As the time ticks down on her Cinderella scheme, the thought of achieving her goal at Noel's expense breaks Jess's heart. He doesn't want her, her now. He wants her forever. <laughs> but, will, but will her secret end the future before it begins? Oh, no. What will happen? Um, so, They'll probably all die. They're all going to get married. <laughs> they're all going to get married to each other in a all group the marriage. Giant weird group marriage. Weird group marriage. <laughs> Either death or weird group marriage. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so, this is uh, in the same area. And we have heard reports uh, from Naomi, who was on the podcast last time and has read this, that it, it does share much of the the feminism of the first book. Which is excellent to me. Mm-hmm. I think 
I hopefully, you know, and it has lady entrepreneur. So Does that exists in that time. Yeah, because that definitely existed in this time period. Mm-hmm. It's fantasy land. <laughs> yes. And we will be joined by my father, <laughs> Dennis Barnes. His name is Dennis? Yeah, his name is I Dennis. never knew that. I guess I just thought I, of him as Mr. Barnes. <laughs> What's your dad's first name? Mike. Michael. See? I didn't know that. That's true. That's weird. I don't know. I guess you didn't have to know. But yeah, his name is Dennis. <laughs> um, I'm excited for Dennis. Yes. Yeah, I think he's going to... I don't know if he will enjoy the book necessarily, but he is pretty... I'm, I'm, he does seem pretty excited about it. That's great. So, And he has never been on the podcast as we... Continue to have every single one of my family members. On. Yes, everyone. <laughs> Go find more family members. I know. I think the only one who hasn't been on my uh, podcast now is my brother, who will probably never be on the podcast. <laughs> my dad will never be on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, those are those are kind of the last two um, that will probably... I suppose I could, like, do my sister's-in-law, but... I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That seems like quite a like quite a. Stretch. We're gonna have to go to your extended family, Lana. I know my cousin um, lives in Indiana. She used to live in this town in Bloomington, oh. but she has moved elsewhere with her fiance. Oh. Um, they are restoring like an eighteen seventies house in Brownsburg. What? They're part of a horror movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. They've invited us to their yearly bonfire. Pretty what? sure I'm going to get murdered. Yeah, watch out. Don't get murdered. Yep. Um, yearly bonfire near Halloween um, <gasps> at old 1870s. Um, the house that they're restoring house. that they may not be able to buy because it's, it's too expensive and it's too full of like haunted souls. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> they got this house... Um, uh, my soon-to-be uh, cousin-in-law got it by writing the guy who who owned it a letter. What? That is definitely yeah. horror movie. Yeah. So, and then this guy um, let him kind of buy the property from him. Mm-hmm. This, I think, I like I said, it's like the eighteen. It's even it's a named house, I believe. Is there like a room that that like doesn't exist unless you like desire it to exist? Cause then, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like a secret murder wing or something. Murder wing, murder wing, murder wing, murder, murder, murder wing. That's probably I've heard that about it. (laughs) Yeah, the name is um the name of the house is the Squawkum House. (gasps) It has a name. I love houses that have names. Haunted House is my favorite version of horror. Uh, Well, yeah, because I feel like it um it escalates so quickly. They do say that horror is has the best gender parody of any genre. Really? By the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and more uh, ethnic re- representation. Because I, you need a lot of different people to murder. Yeah. That's You true. can't just have the same person being murdered. So you often have, like, exactly the same amount of men and women characters. Because, mm-hmm. like, women dying is much more exciting to people. I will say, though, in this book that we just read, she was a floozy who... Had sex with men, extramarital sex, and that's why she died. That was maybe partially. part of the reason why she died. I, I mean, but it was also, you know, because her 
brother's a serial killer. Yeah, because her brother so. killed her. But also because she's a floozy. And she was saved by her golden retriever. Golden retriever! <laughs> Named Pickwick. So cute. It's real cute. I was really excited when she got a dog. Real. I was I was like, this dog is gonna come in handy later. <laughs> yeah, and he was and extra handy. <laughs> extra handy. He saw all the ghosts. He was like, yeah. You, sir, are a ghost. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I wanted to say when you said that only people see him. I'm like, not true. Dogs also see ghosts, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it'd be like you know my dog's a chihuahua and so she barks all the time it would be like my dog saw a ghost no she just like heard a sound that sounded like something that was a different sound that's what happened <laughs> anyway I'm excited for your dad to be on the show yeah I'm, um, I'm excited for him too I don't think he's ever read a romance novel so oh my god I think we'll we'll kind of see, but I will say that me and my dad have a separate book club. Mm-hmm. So I have I have discussed many books. Oh, good with my dad, um, but never fiction. We read nonfiction. Hmm. Um, so this should be also fun. Serious. serious. Yeah, we originally read business books, but now we just for the for a long time we've mostly just read anti racist books. Hmm. Basically, before yeah. it was cool. Before it was cool. Oh my god, <laughs> you're so cool. No, I know. I say that, but like, I'm like, it wasn't like a recent thing we've been doing and reading. Like, we read Stan from the beginning, like maybe three years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. So y'all are but woke. yeah, we you're woke. Yeah, I, it's um, yeah, we read a, we read a lot of um, yeah, like kind of political books together. Um, because he doesn't want to read business books anymore, basically, because he's retired. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so it'll be good. Um, yep. Okay. Should I do the outro? Yes. Cool. Thank you for listening to Getting Lit, available monthly on iTunes. For extra bonus features for this episode, you can visit gwenwendy.com slash getting lit, where you can also read about Wendy. You can follow Alana on Twitter at Librarian Alana. And I also want to say we have a Facebook page where Facebook you can also page. see the drinks that we that are made, the the signature drinks, mm-hmm. as well as when we um we post about you know, the new other episodes. Post about the new episodes. Um and anything else that is romance novel related. And I believe the name of that is Getting Lit Podcast. Podcast. What's the mm-hmm. best type of romance novel, Wendy? The trashy card. Yeah. <laughs> The Analana's podcast, Wendy Analana's podcast. Get literary, get literary, woo!